Welcome to this week's edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey, The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent. A happy April and a very good day to you all. With me this week is former Canaries press officer, Ben Mouser. Hello, Michael. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks very much. What's new in your world? Uh, everything, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that's a very yeah, way of I think I speak for everybody, every listener. In, in uh, obviously, the world is a very different place to when I was last on the on the podcast. But yeah, putting aside the coronavirus, I'm I'm, I'm pretty good, thank you. Well, we're allowed to do that for the duration of this podcast, at least. Uh, of course, there is no football at the moment, uh, and there won't be for some time to come. But there are still lots of great articles to read across the Athletic, such as a brilliant breakdown of Pierre Emerick Aubameyang's abilities, the opening gambit from our brand spanking new La Liga writer Dermot Corrigan, Jack Pitbrook's wonderful trip down Soccer AM's memory lane, and for a Norwich slant, the chance to relive Nathan Redmond's greatest Norwich City goal at Wembley. Uh, by listening to us, you can get a 40% discount on a subscription by going to theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod. All our podcasts are completely free to listen to and ad-free versions are available to subscribers via our app. So it started last week and here we go again. Uh, with no football action to discuss, we are doing something a little different, a sort of Canaries chain gang, um, I think if that's the right way of putting it. Uh, it started with Steve Morrison and you can hear our chat with him from last week over on the uh, feeds. Um, ben, how much are you looking forward to uh, this week's guest? Well, without giving too much away, Michael, I am I'm really looking forward to it and I think the listeners have have good reason to as well. Love it. Is there anything you're keen to ask or there's something you really want to find out? Definitely, because um, in my time at, at Norris City, I've probably spent more time with this this particular person um, than I did with anyone else. And I had the opportunity to ask him a lot of questions. But as always, there are certain questions which I couldn't ask then, which I'd love to ask now. So um, <laughs> hope, hopefully that will make fantastic podcast material. <laughs> well, let's hope so. I'm definitely pinning that one on you. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what then, uh, let's go and uh, grab him. Those of you who uh, listened last week will know who Steve Morrison nominated. I reckon we go and do it now. Okay, here we go. Uh, joining me and Mr. Mouncer for this edition of On The Ball is a man who is one of only three players to be promoted with Norwich City three times. The first Norwich player to lift a playoff champions trophy for the club and already a professional manager in League One at the age of 34. You will all know who it is, I'm sure. Welcome to On The Ball, Mr. Russell Martin. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Well, I'm... It's an interesting time to everyone, isn't it? But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, my family are healthy and we're settled in some form of routine. So on the whole, yeah, I can't, um, I can't be too too unhappy despite what's going on at the moment. Exactly, and there is a lot of it, of course. Um, so yeah, thanks for making the time. Are you um, are you happy, Steve Morrison nominated you? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm delighted, <laughs> as you can tell. No, to be fair, so I'd. I'd I never mind. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure why Mario nominated me, to be honest. I'll have to ask him, but no, it's fine. It's, uh, it's, it's good to break a little bit of, and do something different in it. And this, yeah. uh, otherwise, it all becomes a little bit Groundhog Day. I, I imagine it was just the habit of getting you to talk on behalf of him, like um, most players probably. do with the captains, yeah, exactly. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Which does bring us on nicely to the fact that this is a live reunion um, between um, a player and press officer between Ben and Russ. Yes, yeah, so press great, officer that was, was brilliant and always felt really guilty, I thought, whenever after a game we'd lost that to go out. Well, he always looked like he felt more guilty than the others anyway. 
No, I didn't. <laughs> That's the balancing yeah, act, just to look at. No, it's, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great to be uh, reunited on there. Russ, it's great to speak to you. Not spoken to you for a while, but um, we've shared yeah, the odd message too, since, since I left the football club. But uh, yeah, looking yeah, forward to it. Um, I'm, I'm curious what the relationship is like between a player and a press officer. I'm not sure. I think mine was closer than most. I'd probably say, Ben, would you agree or not? I don't know. I don't. We spent a lot no, of time definitely. I mean, t- talking and. Um, not just about obviously after games and before games, but traveling, hotels, um, when you come up to Colney. Yeah, I think um, you know from my point of view, it was fantastic because you, you get to you get to glean insights that not even not even journalists can can really get. And you know, Russ, Russ you know, without boot looking too much, was was certainly one of the one of the best um, players in that regard that that we had at Norwich certainly during my time there. The relationship is is an interesting one, isn't it? Because obviously. In in most cases, players aren't necessarily keen or inclined to to, to do media work, but they they obviously recognise their responsibility to do so. And I think Russ was always one of those sort of rare players who fully fully embraced it and um, and always did a good job in sort of in in good in good circumstances or in bad. I always felt quite not. Uh, I felt bad for you guys sometimes because it'd be like you you come up and lads would almost try and avoid you, wouldn't they? Because not yeah. personally, <laughs> but because they didn't want to do an interview or they didn't want to just do it on that day because there's so many different guys you know outside the building don't realize what people go through day to day they might have had a crap training session might have played poorly the week before and they've now been nominated for press for one reason or the other and they don't feel in the mood to do it or they don't feel they're um validated to do it um so it was always uh wes was the best one ever he'd just try and hide from you guys at every <laughs> opportunity wouldn't he literally have to go and drag him out but um i always felt a huge my time at the club, especially as captain, I always felt a huge um, responsibility to, to sort of be the spokesperson for the club and to have a strong relationship with you guys, especially when like, there'd be times when you'd come up to me and say, you know, is so-and-so, what do you think we want to interview him today? Do you think, is he, is he in the mood? And I thought we always, we always work quite closely together with that, with, with, with Joe and Gemma as well. And obviously, them guys have been there such a long time. Uh, and you come in with um, like a, a freshness and, and, and just you wanted everyone to, and them guys would always you know they well no he's not really good at that and you'd be like well, yeah but he's, he's got to do it it was good it was good I really enjoyed it it was a difficult balance because ultimately you end up doing more press than you probably should as, as the captain and because the lads just go come on do you mind doing that for me or Joe would come and say do you mind doing that for me and um, you'd end up doing it because you felt that responsibility but you probably end up paying the price for that at some point as well because people get bored well, you get bored of what you're saying as well I think <laughs> while we were at the club we did, we did some pretty interesting stuff like C360 for example where actually you as players probably got value out of that as well rather than just a, a bog standard press conference where you're talking you know in front of cameras and oh yeah there was loads of that stuff I thought we'd done I thought we'd done more of that sort of stuff than most clubs to be honest uh, around that time I thought it was brilliant but yeah I guess I'm talking about the day to day mundane stuff that um, especially when you're in the Premier League how much you have to do and you just end up doing three or four interviews where you say the same thing and people just be like can we not just do get everyone together in one room and they just all film it and we just do it once yeah yeah because by the yeah, end of I think it, you never it dilutes it gets diluted the quality as it goes on you understand why players don't want to do it as well actually because it's harder than it used to be because every interview now is on camera or it's recorded for a podcast so there's no there's no going back on something you say um so oh, obviously so in, that, in that situation yeah. yeah you're gonna you're gonna be slightly more um slightly more defensive and, and sort of conservative in your answers i think this is fun. I'm quite enjoying that. It's, it's all these self-important journalists asking questions. I mean, that's half the problem yeah. as well, having to talk to us a lot. But I do just want to flag up that over on, on The Athletic, there, there are two, two pieces with 
with Russ that are well worth reading. Um, I spoke to to Russ back in uh, August, I think it was, and um, so that was an interview just off the back of the last of, of the last two seasons at Norwich and going through those. So there's lots of points that are addressed in there. And then Andy Naylor, who covers Brighton for the Athletic, um, sat down with Russ as well um, to go through to go through your homecoming at the Amex. Yeah, effectively, Russ, that was a nice day. It was nice, nice of you to do that with him, to be honest, because not many players that I know would go through through a video nasty, not just the the sort of five nil defeat, but um, also you know the sort of thoughts behind the post match com- yeah, um, comments not, and things not, like that. Not really sure why I'd done that, to be honest. No, but, no, no, but, but you know it's a really good piece, yeah. it's a really interesting piece, and Andy's a cracking guy as well. So that was uh, that's really interesting. Definitely worth a read. Covers a, a lot of points off as well in, in terms of um, Daniel Farker and, and, and things like that. Um, the thing that struck me now, I mean, you have officially retired as a player. Are we right? Yes, yes. Although, I mean, that's sort of just I don't know. I'm getting fit again under. during this. I'm getting fit again during this lockdown, so I might make a comeback. But no, yes. In all seriousness, I'm I'm done. It's too much to try and do both. And for those that um, know me, I was I've become quite frustrated with the game. To be honest, with player, I wasn't. I think for me to carry on playing, it would have had to. I'd have to feel really invested in something and um, believe really, really. Like really believe in what we were doing as a player because it's it's really difficult when you've played at a club for such a long time um, and and at a certain level and then you find yourself working your way back down. I think if it's twenty minutes from your house and it fits into your with your family and kids at that point, then great. But when you're travelling two hours and you're away from your family and the club was brilliant. I love I love MK and I'm so pleased I got the chance to manage there. Um, but I wasn't particularly enjoying playing anymore and I hadn't played for the last four or five weeks for, for various reasons and your body it starts um, takes a bit longer to recover and it starts giving up on you a little bit but I'd become a little bit frustrated and I don't think the end was too far away with or without this job to be honest so it's something I haven't I haven't missed as yet and it's something I don't I'm not thinking of like you know I've gutted I've had to I'm really delighted with the career I had I'm really proud of it some real highs, some real lows, but I feel like, yeah, I never really, um, I never realised how difficult it would be leaving somewhere you've spent so long. Mm. Um, and then, as I said, I wasn't at MK for long, but it was the first place that felt like, oh yeah, I really actually like it here. The people are good, the club's good, the fans have been really good to me. Um, so I'm pleased I can stay there in, in the capacity that I'm in because it's a club I really feel some affinity with, especially with the people that, that are there it's um, a cr- and I'm working with now. It's going to say it's a cracking setup from having been down there sort of infrequently. I'll ask you a bit more about that in a moment. But I mean, when you say you was you were sort of getting frustrated, I mean, what what's what's the first thing that goes? Is it or you know what's the the biggest thing that sort of goes? Is it like struggling to get out of bed in the morning, or is it? Oh, I can't. No, I just I think it's um, yeah. I think like I was I'd always prided myself on being the the guy that and I had to I guess for to just to carry on at a level I had for quite a long time I had to be that guy who worked harder than anyone else and then it just became you know you end up working your way um, back down the leagues and and doing that extra session or working and and I had to manage my body much differently because of my back and and stuff like that and it made it much harder for me because I was all or nothing like I trained so intensely and then got to the point where I was training but. I'd have to sort of have a rest day in between. I couldn't train because of our training schedule. We'd train like on a Monday straight after a game and, and there was flexibility with it, but I could tell the manager wanted me to train, but I'd never done that at Norwich for the last five or six years. And my body just couldn't, like, I didn't get much out of it and I didn't feel good with it, like my body. And I tried, but, um, and people go, oh, I'll get over it, but I played 90 minutes and then traveled 
up on the Monday morning to go and train. And, you know, it's, it, it's partly my fault because of the travelling as well, but um, which is why it's completely different being a manager and not having to, um, to train and play physically like that. But, yeah, I just think it was it was a whole host of things. And as I said, like, when I played, it was it, it was worth it. But when I sat on the bench and stuff like that, it was like, pff, I'm spending this much time away from my kids to, to be involved in something that... Um, I really enjoyed last season, not enjoying as much this season um, in terms Russ, of the style of play and stuff. Russ, was the, was the, the player-manager role ever, ever on the table at MK Dons? Is that no, something? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't um, it wasn't as soon as the chairman asked me, which was a, which was a real surprise, to be honest. Yeah. Um, as soon as he asked me, no, my mind was uh, completely made up, mate. I, I think it's... it's I just wondered if they, I just wondered if they put that to yeah. you. Or wonder if they put it to you. Because you don't see that very often. In, in modern no, football, that no, kind of I, I, yeah, I just, I just think I don't think you can do it in modern day football. I just don't, I don't know how. I think even Vincent Company, someone like him, has gone to Anderlecht where people assumed he would cruise the standard and it would just be like a magic wand because he worked under Pep and he'd been in Man City for so long. And, um, but it's really difficult, mate. Like the 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 amount you have to do as as a manager if you want to do it in a certain way in terms of being connected with people and um, talk to everyone at the club and and, and try and make people feel part of, of the culture and, and what you're trying to instill. I think that is really difficult to do and then to try and maintain your peak physical because you can't get away in any league. I don't care what anyone says, like whether it's League Two, you can't get away with just sort of half arsing it as a professional footballer. You can't do it. And and that's why I just thought straight away I just demands would be way too high. So um, I decided that was and as I said, you know, it wasn't I've been planning and, and prepping for coaching and management for a long, long time. It's something I've known and wanted to do since I started playing. So as soon as that opportunity came, it was like, I'd be mental if I either A, turned this down or B, tried to do both. It would have been, it would have been crazy. Uh, Russ, I've got to ask, are you on a training regime at the moment? Uh, me or, or our team? Or... I, I, can, I can hear the clock going off in the background. Oh, or is sorry, that... mate. Is that... I think that's my dishwasher. <laughs> but... <laughs> no, that's good. I, I just imagined you off. doing like Pilates. Is in it the annoying you? But no, no, I love it. As long as you no, know I what am, it is. I, in, in answer to your question, I am. I've used this time because I've kind of... Uh, the one thing that's got sacrificed... And it's my fault, really, in terms of uh, since I've become a manager, is, is my fitness. I've not done too much much on it. So, um, yeah, we set our st- we set the staff a challenge of doing 5K every day in January um, for a mental health charity. So all the staff had to do that, whether it was run or bike. So that was good. But apart from that, I've not really done not really done too much. So um, yeah. I am using this time to uh, to uh, yeah get get fit again. But I'm definitely not making a comeback. Good man. Well, I mean, I, I had the same when I left school. I sort of stopped doing any exercise. I'm still paying <laughs> for that now. Um, um, it's interesting with the management. I mean, I, I've been speaking to you for a long time as of Ben, of course. We kind of knew for a while that you were going to head into management. Um, so it's, it's a job you've always really wanted, I suppose. Is it, is it living up to what you hoped it would? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I feel... Uh... I feel like it's. I'm growing into it. I feel. I feel like um, the the lads have been amazing. The players uh, and the staff at the club, in terms of embracing that change from me going to from a player to to managing, because that that could have been made much more difficult than it was cool, um, yeah. by them uh, and is. But yeah, I am. To be honest, I'm just. I'm really enjoying trying to implement the stuff that I've said I was going to do all along. I wanted, and like I've had debates with with other managers, with really experienced coaches about what we're doing at MK and, and, and people, but I've always said like, I really, I've got a real idea of how I want it done, uh, how I want it to be done. And I'm trying to do it that way. And fortunately it's going okay at the moment, but I'm, I'm, it's a battle with a lot of things in terms of uh, a lot of opinion, a lot of 
emotion, players uh, coming on the other side of it, you know, you don't realise as a player how um, emotional people can be day to day. And then I'm just really conscious of my energy when people speak to me, like if it's at the end of a long day and someone comes in to speak to me, whether it's a member of staff, whether it's a player, I have to try and find that energy from somewhere all, all mm. the time. So, and, and so it's really demanding. It's really challenging. Probably um, I'm striving for a work life balance. So this little break in terms of, although it's horrible what's going on and all, and uh, um, you know, people, the lockdown and stuff like that, it's probably in, in a strange way. The only silver line has been a bit more family time because um, the first four months have been so hectic. I've struggled for a bit of balance, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been great and I'm enjoying it. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com. You have the opportunity to sip eight delicious painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash on the ball and pay the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, on the ball listeners get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. Now, the beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, and a beery snack is thrown into. Just go to beer52.com forward slash on the ball to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, listeners get two extra free beers. Uh, ben, I got a um, question. You got one? Yeah, I mean, you've kind of answered it already, Russ, but obviously, as Michael said there, we know that you've been sort of preparing to to go into to coaching and management for, for quite a while, but were you still um, surprised that, I mean, you said you were, like, did you expect management to come so soon to you? No, I didn't, to be honest, and yeah. it's um, partly because we got promoted last year, and I did really, and I know I said I was getting frustrated with the plan, but that was mostly down to me and my body and my where I was at with my life and my career, and um, I really enjoyed working for, for Paul Tisdale, um, so I didn't expect him to leave the club so early um, and obviously in a short I'd only been there a short space of time so um, and I hadn't had much interaction with the chairman at all to be honest because um, he does come into the change room after games every game but he doesn't obviously there's no time you can't, don't have time to chat to someone and, um, but he'd asked everyone at the club the staff um, he, he told them he was, he was going to change manager and what did they think and and uh, everyone, you know, said that they'd, they'd like me to take it, um, which was a massive compliment. And and it's a huge honour. And I'm, I'm just desperate to repay it, which is probably why I worked so hard after the last three or four months, over the last three or four months and probably lacked a little bit of balance. But I thought I can't let this guy down. It's such a leap of faith um, that he's he's put in me. And uh, hopefully I'm repaying that. That's, and hopefully I will repay that at some point. But yeah, it was a surprise, mate, I'll be honest. But he knew... He knew about my journey through through the ex-manager because he he said you know come into the club come and play but we want to start getting you in on the coaching side as well and stuff like that so um, yeah and 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 Tiz has done that Paul's done that throughout his whole managerial career always got older players coming towards the end who are interested in coaching and a lot of his ex-players have gone in and he's got two of them now who are with him at MK who work with him as assistant manager and first team coach so I think the chairman was aware of that and then once the staff had said you know this 
give this guy a go. Um, but to me, yeah, it was a complete surprise. I was actually on the bench that day at Tranmere and, um, and got called in and told that the manager had, had been sacked after and um, oh, they wanted me to take it. So, uh, yeah, massive, massive leap of faith and, and one that I want to repay. So is that quick afterwards? Was it, was it, were they, did they tell you like, it's pretty much straight after Tisdale left that they wanted you to do the job? Yeah, yeah. And the first person I rung was Paul. So yeah. I rang him and said, look, um, I really appreciate you taking me to the club. I'm really sorry you've gone, which I was. Um, and I'm really sorry it didn't work out. But I've been offered the manager's job and I really want to take it. But I thought the first person I should have the decency to call is the person that brought me to the club. And it's probably the last conversation you want to have. But he was brilliant. He just said, no, do you know what? It's a good decision. And I, and I hope, it, hope it works out. And we had a chat about, you know, a shame it hadn't worked out and why it hadn't worked out. And... We'd had a chat about a few conversations we'd had over the last three or four weeks before he'd left. And uh, yeah, so he was he was really good about it. And, uh, you know, massive respect for him for that and an appreciation of that because obviously he knows how tough tough it can be. And um, yeah, so that made it a little bit easier, but still obviously head was completely spinning and um, I wanted to see how people would react. And I know it was met with a lot of... Uh, a lot of uncertainty and trepidation, especially with amongst uh, some supporters who thought it was maybe a cheap option and obviously didn't know what, what I was about or what I'd been planning and stuff like that. But fortunately, they've been great with me since I took the job. Yeah, and the results were turning around nicely as well, weren't they? And in the lead up to the break, it was uh, ticking along quite nicely. Yeah, we'd done okay. I think if we'd sort of gone from the last, um, over the last 10 or 12 games, we were we were in the top 10 in terms of form and and. It's not easy. We were four points adrift, I think, when we took when I took over. When we took over, and um, we've not, we've uh, we're trying to do it in a in a way that, um, well, I'm trying to bring a style of play that the chairman wants and that I believe in. And that's it's not easy when you're in the bottom four. I think the easiest thing would do just to be roll your sleeves up and fight and scrap and try and win ugly. But we've gone pretty much the opposite end of the scale, really, and tried to really implement a style of play that will be sustainable and will be enough to keep us up and um, hopefully kick us on again after that which is obviously what Daniel's done at Norwich after a tough first year he's stuck with it and kept with it and they've got better and better and it's paid off yeah absolutely and with a couple of Norwich guys as well but um, we're not going to talk about them um, for the time being because uh, I might revisit that at some point uh, but in the meantime your uh, decade at Norwich City Russ are there, are there any misconceptions do you think people have about your time something people always say to you I don't know you? I think um, I think I'm it's like Marmite isn't it I think they either love me or hate me I think is what my uh, brother said because he follows it all and he gets angry sometimes <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I don't, I don't know mate I don't know listen the only way I look back is at it is with extreme fondness it's my football club it's a club I'll support forever now my kids still wear the shirts they still want to go to games they get excited when, like, Pookie is my eldest son's absolute, like, idol. He sent him a shirt last year, which I was really pleased with, through the kit man. Um, he was absolutely delighted with that. So, for me, what whether, prize whatever, anyone, yeah, whatever anyone thinks, it's, it's like, it's it's not irrelevant. Of course, it's like, I'd be lying if, you know, it's nice to be to be loved. And when, you, and when I go back there, I get, you know, nothing but people coming up and saying, you know, thanks and blah, 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 or nice to see me. And I catch up with a lot of people I've got a lot of close relationships with. So for me, it's a place I had some of the best times of my life, um, made some of the closest connections with people that I, I have today and ever will. Um, so 
regardless of, of what people thought. I don't know what misconception you might be. Oh, no, no, I, I didn't have yeah, one yeah. in the back of my mind, to be honest. No, I, I, was... I, I think there's like a, I think there's, there's, a, there's a probably a group who feel like I was um, like lucky to be a part of it or not really, like, I just sort of jumped along for the ride, but I do feel like I, and, the, and to be honest, you know what, the, the one thing that matters to me more than anything is the people that were in and around it and the people actually behind the, the, the closed doors that actually know know what went on people like Ben and people that I worked with day to day and, and they knew how much I invested in it how much I put in it it was my life for, for pretty much 10 years and um, I gave it everything and and I like to think I drove a lot of stuff uh, a lot of things that people would won't see or will never see and I drove a lot of that in terms of the culture at the training ground at Colney um, the culture off the pitch how the young lads came through because they looked up to older pros and what they were doing and, and, and it came right. And if you look at it, Jacob, Josh, Murphy, Madison, a lot of them guys had, we had a lot of difficult conversations with when they were younger. Not just me, I'm talking about Bradley Johnson and uh, Stephen Naismith when he came. I'm talking about Elliot Bennett, John Ruddy, all these people that um, we created a culture there and we drove it for a long time that was, I'd like to think was, was a good one. It was a successful one. And, um, so for me, I guess the most important people are the ones that were behind those closed doors with me. But um, I don't know, you know, whatever anyone else thinks. I loved it and, and I love the club and always, always will do and appreciate the role it's played in, the part it's played in my life. I think you'll like this question as well. This, is by, this um, was written by uh, Steve Sanders, who NCFC numbers over on Twitter, um, podcast regular. He says, would you rather be remembered by Norwich fans as a right back or a centre half? Um, I couldn't care less, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, I just, yeah, to be honest, I don't know. I, that and that, I think that debate really sort of uh, overshadowed anything I'd done really at the club, which was a little bit frustrating sometimes because I don't know what the misconception was about that. Like, as if I demanded to play there, um, I felt like under Paul, I played probably some of my best football as an attacking right back. That then really changed under Chris. My role was completely different as a right back, which frustrated me. Uh, and probably frustrated a lot of people as well. And I loved Chris. I loved working for him, really organised guy. But my role was really different to what it had been. And I felt like I, I, it took away a lot of the strengths in my game. Um, and then I'd had a really bad back injury, like the last year of Paul's tenure at Aston Villa. And like, I'd done a couple of this in my back. And it slowed me down a little bit. So, um, and like we didn't make a massive deal out of it because it didn't. I didn't miss too many games, and I never really got injured. Like I never done a muscle until last year at MK in the last game of the season, which was frustrating. Yeah. I done my calf until then. Never had a muscle injury, so that um, that took away a little bit of of, of uh, speed, which the modern day game fullback you really really need. And and it's, and I wasn't slow, but at centre half, Neil when Neil took over, it was like I think you can play there. I, I played there for Scotland the whole time. And I'd done really well for Scotland and he'd seen that. Like I'd, I'd never played right back for Scotland, really. So um, I'd been playing well at international level against some really good team. And he said, I want you to play there. And then obviously I did. Um, Alex Neil came in soon after that. And we got promoted. I got in the team of the year and all that malarkey at centre-half. And then I just, stood, I just stayed there. And I played right back every now and again when needed to. I always felt with Alex, it was sort of we discussed playing three at the back and me playing in the middle of a three. And I thought that would probably be my best position. And that's when yeah. I ended up playing for MK last year and we got promoted. But it never really materialised. I remember we played there a couple of times. We played against Leicester away and done really well. But, and then we went away from it really quickly again because he felt it was quite defensive. But I feel like... Um, I played some really good games at centre half. Played some really good games at right back. I played some really shit games in both positions. So it is what it is, really. And I just, I, as long as I'm remembered as someone who gave everything to the club, whatever position you know, or whatever people want to say about it, I'm quite comfortable with. 
Ross, do you say, think it's just the evolution of your of your career? I mean, you you you've kind of said it there, really. But obviously, when you, when you were younger and you you didn't have you know pre back issue, you, you maybe had the attributes that suited right back, and then as as you progressed it, you know, and, and you became more experienced, and obviously a sense centre half is a position where you, you can sort of dictate and and yeah, see definitely. more of the game. Yeah, definitely, mate. And I think it's um. It was a weird one. I, I never played right back until Paul came to Wickham. So I'd always played centre-half or centre-midfield. So I'd always played there. Um, and one of the biggest strengths of my game was sort of reading the game or understanding the game, game game understanding, whatever you want to call it. No, and, and, and passing, believe it or not. People won't believe it. But So when I played centre-half, a whole point with Alex, why he wanted me to play there was because I set off most of our attacks. I'd got the ball off the goalie um, and break a line with a pass or whatever. And... I remember when they were trying to sign St. Arthur, he said to me, we're trying to sign someone who plays more forward passes than you, like successful one. We can't find anyone. So we just keep doing it. And obviously I wasn't the biggest centre-half, but what I bought in terms of communication and getting people around me and understanding the game and reading it, like I never really got beat for pace too much, maybe a little bit in the Premier League sometimes, but because of positioning and stuff like that. And he understood that. And, and I think a lot of people want to see a centre-half who makes like loads and loads of last ditch tackles and blocks but I always felt like I didn't need to do that that much because you're in the right position some a lot of the time but um, listen it is what it is I think you're right the game changed as well Ben in my 10 years there the game changed a lot and the demands yep. on it so like my strongest bit of playing at right back weirdly was, was going forward under Paul there's no doubt about it like I became a much better defender under him especially once I played with Adam Drury as well and watched him and stuff like that um, but my, my best part was going forward and for some people it's like hold on he's best part of his game is attacking right back and then he's going to go and play centre half how does that work yeah. but yeah I think it was a natural it would have happened anyway regardless of back or it would have just probably come later on um, in my career but um, yeah I was I was comfortable with it at the time and I said to Neil yeah I, I want to play centre half no problem like it's, wits had come in at that point and I, they tried to replace me as a right back every single year anyway so it was like yeah I might <laughs> as well try and get replaced at centre half now why not you know, I'm, I'm easy and I never ever said oh no I'm not going to play right back I still played there under Neil Adams I still played there under Alex Neal yeah. you know when I had to and, and when a manager wanted me to so it, it, I was I was comfortable with that it depends on the it depends on the system as well. Sorry, Michael. I was, I was just going to say, like under Lambert, obviously with, with that diamond midfield, you were providing the the width on that right hand side, weren't you? So it, you you had to be that kind of attacking sort of yeah, full exactly. full yeah, flow right back. Yeah, yeah, and I thought it really suited me, and um, because I you know contributed a lot at the top end of the pitch with passes, and and um, I was never going to go like step overs and beat people, but I linked up in the final third and really enjoyed it, and it was just all about energy, and I had loads of that. If there's one thing like you know I can. We had a 5K time trial today. We set our players and the staff, and I'm still fifth in that with all my players. So I can run. Like I run all day. I've just lost pace. I just can't run at speed anymore over 10 metres. But um, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that. And as I said, I, like, and then I played right back under under Chris, and it was a completely different role. And I, I, I didn't enjoy that so much because I felt like I was just a little bit restricted in, in, in what my strengths were or what my strengths had become under Paul. And it was, and I think a lot of people felt that because it was such a contrast in styles. Not because Chris was a bad manager, not because of well, like we we kept we kept us up in the first year. We might have stayed up in the second year. Who knows? But because of the contrast, and I think that's that's the the one thing the fans struggle with um, at that period with like players uh, like myself and others who who got a bit of criticism, and and certainly Chris who got a lot of criticism from fans was it was just such a contrast of styles. We've gone from like all out, you know, just complete 
yeah, it was, we just went for everyone, regardless of who we played against. We, we just played. We went and played and we'd done what we'd done and we ran and we, we pressed and we tried to pass. And then we just went back to being, under Chris, we went to being really organised, difficult to beat, you know, score a lot of set pieces. We wouldn't create that many chances and it was completely different. And it was, and I found that as a player as well. So in light of the current coronavirus pandemic and the lockdown here in the UK, we at the On The Ball podcast wanted to free up one of our advertising slots each week to a Norfolk business that deserves a shout out in these toughest of times. This week, we want to draw attention to Open Norwich, who put on a number of gigs and events in the city, all of which have now been cancelled. Those events help raise money that goes into a number of projects that Open run to help young people in Norfolk. Therefore, without a major source of their income, those projects are in serious jeopardy. There is an urgent fundraising campaign underway to ensure Open survives the lockdown and you can help by going to the support us tab at opennorwich.org.uk so they can continue their fantastic work. And if you know a Norfolk business that may be struggling in the current climate and deserves a shout out on the podcast, we would love to help. Simply get in touch via Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. My DMs are open. Steve did ask another one, which um, you can rattle through. Which was the better side, the 2010-2011 or 2014-15 promotion side? Oh, it's a tough one, that, isn't it? Oh, it's, um, oh. the, what was your, go on, your opinion, you two, on that? Oh, that's a go. Oh, he's turned it on us. Oh. Go on, Ben, you go. <laughs> you go, Ben. You're a guest. 10-11, um, the team was greater than the sum of its parts. I think 14-15, the squad was built for promotion. And I think, obviously, after Alex Neal joined in, in the January, um, he managed to, to to pull everything together and, and make that team fulfil its potential. I've not answered the question there, have I? No, that's <laughs> Do you know what? I, if that's not an answer, it's pretty much what I was going to say now. I think it's a great <laughs> answer. It's, um, I think it's... You're right. In 10-11, in wasn't it? Yeah. So... 10-11, I've never played in a dressing room or a team with so much um, hunger and and desire to, to better themselves and with a manager, obviously, who isn't very popular anymore around these parts, but um, with a manager who just sort of let us just maximise our potential, really. And he led with respect, and but it was never over-analytical, it was never over-tactical, it was just the right characters, the right blend of, of character and, and, and people. Um, and the team was, we just didn't know when we would be. And we, and I'd fancy us against anyone. We'd go into games against people we should never even be close to really. And we'd fancy ourselves to win. It was just an unbelievable mentality and atmosphere in the group. And I, I, I you know, I never played in anything like that ever since then. And then I think the, um, was it 15 16 the other one 14 15 so the Wembley 14 15 playoff team yeah right? yeah that was long ago wasn't it um had a lot more <laughs> probably what you would probably say a lot more talent i think you're right i think that we had players who were top top championship players and sort of in between there is that little gap in between of being proper like real premier league players like week in week out and being top top championship you know like that bottom seven or eight in the Premier League in the top four or five in the championship. We had, we had a squad completely built for that athletic character, loads of experience in the league. Um, and we ended up playing some really good stuff. Like we had some really underrated players. We had obviously Tetsu, who was a machine really important to the team, but we had Graham Dorrance, who was, I think, pretty underrated by Norwich fans, to be honest. Um, he was probably one of the best footballers I've ever played with. Like really, really good. And the lads in the dressing room really appreciated uh, him and what he bought and then you had Wes who was 
you know, still, still, still outright. We, we just had a lot of players who had done it before and been there and done it and a lot of experience. And um, the mentality when Alex came in, especially, because it started off really slow. Um, uh, and I thought there was a few people who, who didn't quite give Neil Adams enough at the start, enough respect or enough of what he, what he deserved. Um, and, but when once, once Alex came in, there was a, the mentality just changed really quickly and, and we were really tough to beat and we'd go to places and be horrible. And we played some really good football, but, you know, I remember games where we were just ugly and horrible and, and when we had to be and, and dig in and that was a real mentality. And then probably one of the most complete performances I played, played in, strange enough, was in that team in the playoff final. One of the most comfortable games and days we've ever had, which, is, which was strange, really. I think it's testament to how sort of Alex Neil and and you, you as a group of players turned that season around in in that going into that playoff final. Obviously, I'm a Norwich fan as well, and at that time I was working for the club. You you um you you would probably fear that you know you fear the worst usually going into into a sort of playoff scenario like that. But I I, I certainly was completely confident in our ability to win to win that match, and was actually quite calm about it. And I sensed that because um, if you remember, Russ, the the team stayed down at the Grove near Watford the week before that. And we came down to do a bit of filming um, in the week in the week leading up to Wembley, and I, I just remember just getting a real sense of of calm and assurance from everybody there, and that kind of assured us as club staff that we were we were in good hands, and I, I yeah. felt really confident going into that match day, and that must that must have been reflected in you as a group of players as well. Oh, it was oh, it was really strange, wasn't it? And I remember that day when you guys came down vividly. I filmed something with Wes in the garden, the Grove, yeah. and the preparation was just brilliant. The way they planned it um, as a group of staff was. Phenomenal, really. We we had a three or four days down with the families, then we came back together and went to the Grove to London. Had a meal in London, spent two days there. Lads played some golf. We trained there. We trained hard as well at the pitch there. Um, but we we went to Wembley and got that out of the way, so everyone to see it. We'll see where the families are sitting, and it just felt completely, as you said, yeah, really calm, really relaxed. There was no doubt in my mind we were going to do it at any point. It was really strange. I think all the lads had that mentality. We turned into a really like a relentless group really with each other really honest we had some difficult conversations through the year but and it was because the manager was that he was relentless he was intense he was honest um, and the group reflected him really well in the end I thought and the the week leading up to it and then we'd heard Middlesbrough had gone away to my valley one allowed out in the afternoons at all that'd be locked in their rooms and they were and you hear this stuff in football from other players you know the players weren't happy and it was like we're gonna we're gonna do this and then they turned up, turned up late, turned up late on the yeah, day. Yeah, and then they turned up late, and it was just like, yeah, this is. I remember waking up with wits on the day of the game, because we were opposite, obviously, the hotel, and uh, looked out, and there was Norwich fans there already, and and, and I was really excited. I just said to him, "We're going to win today," like, and he was like, "Yeah, I know." I was like, "Yeah, all right, cool, let's go, let's crack on, yeah." All right, no problem. Don't need to convince you. Let's go. Breakfast it is. I'm definitely going to flag up my piece with uh, on Nathan Redmond's goal again because that takes um, takes. Uh, takes you through the the day and some great stuff from from Bradley Johnson in that as well uh, by uh, the can way I just ask you a quick, a quick question on that goal right because obviously um we've seen, we've seen that goal you know hundreds of times since then but obviously we were sat on the other side of the to where the cameras were do you have that vision of your head of, the, of that goal being from that side of the pitch because like obviously you only see that that image once and like <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember it now because I've seen it the other way so I, you know what I do, I do know you've said that I'd, I'd actually forgotten about that um, there's some goals I do so Steve Morrison talking about his goal against Arsenal I can exactly remember because we were directly behind that it was just a straight line inside the far post it was a brilliant finish so that goal he talked about last week I can, I can only visualise my view from the press box but yeah you're right I had to actually forgot we were on the other side of that goal 
I think, I think I think I was pretty much directly in line with with Redmond's shot as it sort of arrowed into the corner. Um, oh. that's, that's sort of my lasting memory of that. It was, all, it was a wonderful moment. Oh, it was um, an amazing goal, wasn't it? It amazing was incredible. Goal. It was it was so nice to just sit there watching it again, basically for the piece. But um, I, in in answer to the question, because you you guys sort of sort of didn't really answer it, um, the 2010 11 <laughs> side was clearly a force of nature and probably a lot more fun to watch. But 2014-15, I think, was the was the the better team. So there we go. I'll, I'll answer that for you. Um, Good answer. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitive. Um, Russ, what your most affecting moment at the club? So maybe one that sticks out in terms of an impact it had on you. Obviously, it doesn't have to be a goal or a game or anything. Impact it had on me. Um... That's Thanks. a really good question. Nice to obviously, the play, obviously, yeah, obviously, the the playoff final was uh, something that will we, we'll live with me forever. It was special. Um, Portsmouth away, um, scoring against Brighton, the club that released me on my 200th game, and a nice. What about, Anfield, what about Anfield, Russ? Yeah, Anfield was pretty. You know, I'll, uh, yeah, I look back at all this. I think, wow. Um, strangely <laughs> enough, there was a day where um, we beat Reading seven uh, one. <laughs> was it seven one? I think yeah, and yeah, and I scored and and remember um, Peter Peter died, bless him. Peter Oldfield who worked at the club, uh, I remember going up and celebrating with and giving um, you know Carolyn a hug, his wife after the game and being really emotional. And I, I remember thinking that day, I was thinking, I'm not sure this is um, entirely normal, and I should be that upset about someone really. I only saw a match day, but he was such a good guy, and he was such a you know such a uh, real positive. Gent, real supporter uh, of me and the club uh, and of me personally and was always offering words of encouragement and, and stuff like that and I knew I knew by then anyway that the club totally had me and then I think that just sort of cemented I'll always remember that day really really uh, really vividly and I remember being absolutely gutted about about him, him him passing away and I said to the boys in the huddle before the game I said you know we've got to do this and we've got to do it well and it just sort of it was a an unbelievable performance. We just totally blitzed them. So I always remember that. But yeah, all of them, all of them are up there, especially the Anfield one. Now that you've, uh, you know, you've mentioned that, definitely. Yeah, I miss, uh, I miss seeing Peter around post match. I tell you what, he would have loved last year. Goodness me, he'd have enjoyed that. Yeah, not wrong. Not um, wrong. Uh, who do you keep in touch with most out of your old teammates? I, oh, I bet there'll be a lot of them. But lots of them. Yeah, different group chats and. Um, Obviously, that got wheeled them all out for the testimonial last year. <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, yeah, we should have just gone through that list. Yeah, but there yeah, must be so, there must yeah. be some you like talking to more than others. Um, some I like talking to. I speak to a lot of the staff probably more still. I speak to like you know people like Glenn and and Reece Owen and the sports science there. I speak to a couple of the groundsmen. Um, um, yeah, I don't. I think it'd be unfair for me to mention one probably, but yeah, I speak to, I speak to loads of lads. I speak to, you know, I spoke to Big John recently, um, Benno, Bradley Johnson, Elliot Ward, Crofty, I speak to all the time. So probably Crofty, yeah, actually. We both commute in the morning. So uh, we have one of us ends up ringing and chatting, chatting nonsense for an hour. And he's, he's started coaching as well at Brighton under 23. So most of the time it's on football, but we do reminisce every now and again. Oh. What about Snoddy, Russ? Oh, Gilly, really, of course, as well, mate. Snod, snoddy as well, Snoddy. Yeah, I spoke to Snod today, actually, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I remember, I remember you two um, going around the corridors of Colney singing Flower of Scotland. <laughs> yeah, he was some <laughs> character, and I love him. He's, um, he, was, uh, he was amazing for that dressing room, and a brilliant player who I don't think was fully appreciated when he was with us. Um, 
Some I did. Players, some, I appreciate it. Footballer. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. So, yeah, all them guys, a bit snotty quite a bit. Gilly, Crofty, Laps, I speak to a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I can't believe I forgot all these boys before. So, yeah, all, all them guys. King of Spain, what a gentleman as well. All, the, all those ones you haven't mentioned, Russ, but never mind. We haven't got time for that. Um, <laughs> uh, Stuart Hodge, our favourite Scottish journalist, um, he wanted to know your favourite memory with Scotland. Obviously, we're not Scottish, so we don't care, but you should tell us anyway. With Scotland, beating Ireland 1-0 at Celtic Park was one of the best <sighs> atmospheres I've ever, ever played in. It was incredible. So, um, it would probably be that. It would, uh, yeah. And Germany away, we lost 2-1 in the end, but they just won the World Cup at Dortmund, full house. Um, that was a pretty incredible experience as well. But yeah, I'd probably say... Um, Ireland beating Ireland 1-0. Uh, ben, you got one more to throw in? Well, I've, I've got two there, Michael. Do, which one do you well, want me to ask? Well, go for it. You can ask them both to see if we, <laughs> see if we get Russ in an answer from Russ. Okay, let's, let's, go. Go for, let's go for both. And then. So, so first one, just, just your sort of future relationship with, with Norwich City and Norfolk. What do you hope for? What, what do you expect? Do, do, are you going to sort of, do you see yourself living back here again and at some point in the future? And Sheriff of Norwich. Sunshine? Sheriff of Norwich. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know, I, know the, yeah. I know the area and the club means so much to you, Russ. Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, it's somewhere where we'll we'll probably um, we'll always stay in touch with and always be back and forth to visiting friends. And we were up there recently, you know, stayed at uh, Simon's house. Obviously, got the restaurant up there as well in Erpenham House in, in Norwich. So um, yeah, it's somewhere we'll always have an affinity with and we'll always be be uh, visiting and, and visiting friends and whatever. And you know, if we we had the chance to live there again and and do all of that again eventually then obviously we'd, we'd love to but the, my relationship for now is I speak to a lot of people still at the club a lot of staff I speak to Stuart fairly regularly he was brilliant uh, him and Neil Adams were brilliant at helping us out with obviously the two loan guys Carlton and Louis in, in January um, so still in touch with them still really keen to, to learn as much as I can from, from various people uh, and obviously still support the club so still wants it for their results as I said, the kids kids still wear the strips. So um, for me, it's a relationship that will uh, will we'll continue, but um, from afar at the moment. Cool. Second one was this is a bit of a cheeky one. This, but what did you cool. really think of the joint captaincy with Seb? Uh, um, <laughs> I think you know what I thought. I think you know what I thought, don't you? I just think if he wanted to name Seb as no. captain, I told him. I told him at the time he should have just done it because um, I think a lot of teams do it now, club captain, team captain, but. Um, I was, I was, I was disappointed because I just felt it was probably his way of saying I'm not going to play every week. I did end up playing every week for for Chris, but um, at the time that's how I saw it, rightly or wrongly. And um, yeah, so being honest, I was, uh, I didn't really get it, and I was a bit frustrated, but I didn't let it affect. And I, t- I to be honest, I told Seb we had a proper open chat about it pretty much straight away. Um, and he came to see me. He was like, "Oh no, you won't be happy," and all that stuff. But we had a chat, and do you know what? In the end, I actually really enjoyed playing with, with next to Seb. We had a good relationship that year in the championship, especially. And um, it you started did. off on a started off on an um, an uneasy footing, but we uh, we um, yeah we we ended up clicking, and um, I enjoyed playing next to him. Good old Seb. Good old Seb. Well done, Ben. Asking the tough questions. Got a lot of time for that. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cheers, Ben. That's all right, mate. No worries. <laughs> now we're going to rattle through our because um, we, we've gone on. It's so enjoyable, but clearly we can't be here for all night. Um, we're going to go through our Desert Island Discs equivalent, which I've um, quickly oh, uh, no. named Carra Road Classics, which is terrible, but that's what we've got, and I've done it twice <laughs> now, so I can't change. I quite it. like it, mate. You're um, all right. Yeah, cheers, my man. So um, we'll go through them um, pretty quickly, um, but you know, do do with do with the answers uh, what you will. 
Um, so here we go. Uh, first up, your uh, Norwich City highlight. Highlight, uh, playoff final. Duh. Uh, yeah, your favourite teammate. Oh, the ones I mentioned. Crofty, Gilly, Lapp. Oh, yeah. I can't Somebody, remember if we got one out of go. Steve Morrison now. I think he there did go. give one. I think Steve Morrison did actually give one. Did he, he didn't say you, did he, did he give Steve Morrison? No, he didn't give Steve Morrison. Oh. <laughs> he didn't name himself in that one. <laughs> I'm letting you off, aren't I? All right, carry on. Um, uh, someone you had to make up with. Oh, at Norwich? Yeah. Um, probably, probably Seb, I guess, after that. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Yeah. That's a nice one. Um, tell us something we don't know about your time at the club. Is that even possible anymore? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I've been pretty honest about it. Um, ben, is there anything? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> oh we've well, got one. I once vetted no, one of the not. media team's uh, hairy backs. I'm not going to name names. But that was, <laughs> uh, Veet? Is I'm not sure that was a highlight or a low light, but yeah. Is that waxing? So, um, yeah, waxing, yeah. It was, when was that you? It used, it used to really no upset comment. me, so I said... I said, right, you're coming to my to our room one night, and um, I said we're going to get you, uh, we're going to get you vetted. So yeah, got him in a shower, got him, got his back waxed, and he's thanked me. I think he's kept it that way ever since. Wow. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> that's a revelation, <laughs> isn't it? There you go. See, that's that's, that, the, that's the relationship we shared, wasn't it? That, uh, yeah. And now, now I know why Ben wanted ben. to come on. No, it wasn't Ben. It wasn't Ben. Oh, okay. But it might have been. It might have been. It, it could have been, but probably. <laughs> oh, this is why I don't like press officers. Um, right, um, uh, top three Norwich goals. Um, mine or just in general when I was there? Oh, yours, obviously. Don't, don't oh, go mine, like um, anyone else's goals. Anfield, yeah. Brighton and uh, Cardiff in the year when we got the first time we got promoted at the last minute from a really tight angle. Went absolutely mental to get, to get a draw against them. Oh yeah, good shout! About that one. Uh, yeah. Time for a stat. Um, Russell Martin is the only defender that has reached double figures in both goals and assists for Norwich City this century. Seventeen goals, go. fourteen assists. There you go. I'm quite happy with that. The That's only defender, did you say? The only defender this century. Oh, I'll take that. There you go. There That's you go. not too bad, is it? Aces. Um, I'm going to live got... off that now. <laughs> you can have it. That's why, that's why Steve Sanders is on the pod. pod. Um, if you bumped into a Norwich fan on the street right now, what would you say to them other than I get would... back home? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, go. Carry Stay on. at home. Um, I, no, I don't know. I'd just ask them how they're doing, what they think of the football. Hopefully, are we going to stay up? Hopefully, we'll stay up. I think that's what I've said to most of them. Um, so, yeah, who knows? Love it. Lots of wheeze. I like that. And um, our very fast final question. Nominated former Norwich teammate to come on this podcast next. I'll, I'll tell you who you would really enjoy. I'm going to get Crofts. him. Have you had him? Who's that? Andy Crofts? Yeah. Uh, we've not had him yet. Oh, you but sound he... really uninfused by that. No, I'm, no, a bit, no. I'm a bit upset by that. <laughs> not at all. No, no. Ben, I... That's unfair, isn't it? I'll tell you what it is. It's because my first oh, thought... What enthusiastic did Michael <laughs> sound there? That's outrageous. He's unbelievable, <laughs> Crofty. My first thought is the, is the logistics of can we pull it off? That's my first thought. Um, of course you can. I'll ring him tomorrow and say he's well, got to do it. And that's do what it. I want. I've lulled you. You, you I've... can do anything if you want it hard enough, Michael. This is true. <laughs> All right. Thank you, boys. Exactly. Pep talk. Uh, that I would just be awesome. I make Crofty sound like a lapdog. I, I won't <laughs> tell him to do it. I'll ask him because we're friends. He'll probably do it. I didn't we... mean I'm going to tell him to do it and he can do it. Worst case, we can do it in the car when you're commuting together. He'll do it for you, no problem during this period. That would be brilliant. He, he would be he would be a lot of fun. Oh, now you're pretending to be excited. <laughs> I like that. Good. I'm going to tell him he's got to be good because oh, he's well, really unenthusiastic about it. So. Yeah, <laughs> he's got he's got a high expectations <laughs> to live up to. You see, that's the thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. 
Well, we've gone well over time, but no one's cut us off. So that is brilliant news. Um, Russell Martin, thank you so much for your time. I know it's not the easiest uh, of things going on at the moment, but um, good luck with the rest of the season, of course, whichever season that actually is and whenever it is that it takes place. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, good luck with it. No thanks problem. so much thanks for your time. Me. Stay safe, guys. Yep. Stay healthy. See you later. Take Cheers, Russ. There we go, Ben. Did you enjoy that? That's great. Russ was uh, <laughs> as open and honest as ever. He's one of those. He's one of those people you can just. I think you can ask any question, and he will give you an honest answer. You know what I mean? Does happen infrequently, I must admit. And I mean, yeah. fair play to him. He's got. Um, he's got a great job on his hands now as well to really get stuck into. So, I think. Um, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be nice to think. I suppose the Norwich fans. Uh, I don't even know if they, like the majority of them clearly appreciate him for everything he's done anyway. So you're only ever talking about a few people, I think, but. It's that classic thing, isn't it? We live in an age now where you know the, the, a vocal minority is, is heard very loudly. And actually, I think if you took a survey of you know the twenty five thousand Norwich fans walking out of Carrow Road, I'm, I'm sure a very high percentage of them would would hold Russell in very high regard indeed. Um, and you know, and Russ, and he wouldn't mind me saying this, was always probably more sensitive than most about criticism, and um, was very much aware of it. But that's that's because he, he cared so much, and that was. Um, no, I mean he said he said that in the interview just there. He really, he really cared and still does care about Norwich City Football Club, and I think maybe um, it, it hurt him more than it would other players if fans didn't um, didn't appreciate him in 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 a way that he uh, not not that he sort of demands appreciation or anything like that, but yeah, it certainly would have hurt him more because because of just how much or how how high a regard he holds the football club. Yeah, in fairness, and you know it didn't often didn't affect him as, as well when you you know you think about other people other players who maybe have um, have looked at um how they're perceived or you know taken criticism one way or another sometimes they can um, get a little bit stuck on it but I, I think russell's performance has never really got in that position but there we go well what a treat i've got to try and get um Andrew Croft's on the pod now. That's exciting. I mean, again, I'm sounding like I'm not excited. I am genuinely excited. <laughs> I don't know. It must be something about his name. I don't know. I'm genuinely, I can't wait to get Crofty on. So no, he'll be, be great. He'll be great. What would have been, um, would have been good is having them both on together, actually. But then yeah. neither you or I would have got a word in edgeways, I think. No, that's true. Well, that, that would have made my life uh, and job a lot easier. So there we go. I'd have yeah. taken that. Um, and of course, um, I have since found out that it definitely wasn't your back that got um, vetoed. So um, definitely, I'd just like to yeah put that on record. It was not my back. You're in the clear. um okay well that is it for on the ball this week Uh, we really hope you enjoyed it if you did please tell your friends family and fellow norwich supporters if you'd like to get in touch with us then just sling me a tweet or direct message on twitter the handle is at michael j bailey and in the meantime a big thank you to russell martin and of course to you too mr ben mouncer thanks michael great to be on Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with an on-the-ball special and then the following week with another Canaries companion, uh, hopefully Mr. Crofts, uh, for our latest edition of On the Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, good night. (laughs) 